0: let's talk about um, mixed, like your new sideboarding stuff that you were testing. Check this out. Uh, yeah. Okay, so looking at your main deck, oh, you're running Packmaster Main? Yes. <laughs> it's, really? Uh,
1: yeah, I haven't touched the main deck in like months because I was really, really f- feeling good about it. And so recently people brought up the issue o- of n- not really having enough gas or like not being able to, Turn into the mid-range deck you kind of want to be after sideboarding, because most of the times people have ways to stop your combo, uh, especially Glimm's combo. So you turn off into this card advantagey, grindy mid-range deck, and Rance Run Packmaster is a card that really, really helps you
0: facilitate this this strategy. And I, I felt like, yeah. Because I was gonna say, I know my friend Den was running Packmaster in the board against sweepers, because you know you champion an elf, they sweep the board, the elf comes back. But I yeah. mean also too, Cradle plus. Token generator is pretty good. Yeah,
1: that's it. Serves kind of double duty, and people brought it up as a uh, in regards to the miracles matchup because you want, kind of want to recover after the sweepers. And that's true, and as I mentioned, it also it's it's really good for the mid rangey plan, and yeah, that's why I'm trying it out, and I'm also trying it out in the main deck because I feel the um the impact of siding it in isn't as big as having like a dedicated sideboard card, like I don't know a prop decay or meek stone or whatever. So <coughs> that's my general approach to deck building. The cards that come from the sideboard must have a real big impact. So that's why I'm putting it in the main deck over the fourth Nettle Sentinel right now.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And as we were saying before, the new elf from what is it M15 or Conspiracy or whatever is going to replace Viridian Shaman, right?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's just a 2-1, but that's okay. I mean, it still kills all the stuff it's meant to kill. And, yeah, I'm I mean, really, really looking forward to that.
0: I know Elves before really always had a problem with uh, Humility. I mean, that's not going to stop it anyway. But <laughs> I'm saying, yeah. like, you know, Humility, <laughs> Moat, um, Ensnaring, Bridge, you know. But now there are niche cases where being able to have an out to moat is going to be, you know, it's going to be a yeah. bit better.
1: Yeah, you, you had an out to moat before if you go for, like, a huge Glimpse Chain and untap that third chairman, like, enough times. And oh, it's been sure. done before. But, I mean, this is much more convenient. That's true. It's also interesting if your opponent drops show and tell and goes for like an omniscience omnis- omnis- oh, unless true. he's on the uh, cunning wish kill he won't be able to do it anymore. That's that's nice.
0: <laughs> that's true. It's also
1: interesting because it's a 3 drop and Miraculous usually doesn't have that many 3 drops so you can sometimes just naturally count uh, kill the counterbalance.
0: That's true. That's also possible.
1: Oh yeah. I'm so looking forward to the card. I is th- I think the artwork is super pixely it hasn't been really spoiled in a good way yet. So uh, Here's to hoping that the artwork is going to be awesome.
0: And if it's not, I think you still have to play it.
1: Yeah, sadly.
0: <laughs> so, looking at your sideboard now, it is 3 Abrupt Decay, 2 Bitter Blossom, 2 Cabal Therapy, 1 Choke, 2 meekstone, 1 Natural Order, 1 Progenitus, 1 Sylvan Library, and 2 Surgical Extractions. So, Bitter Blossom, is that just for the Miracles matchup, or...
1: Uh, It's mostly for the Miracles matchup and uh, like for the most recent additions and changes I made to the deck uh, I have to give uh, credit to the people on the source because um, that's where this idea first came up and I picked it up from there and thus far I'm really liking it. I tried out bitter blossom like in three or four dailies and I could never draw it so obviously it's not a good card. It's a terrible okay. card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can never draw it. But actually, once I start drawing it, started drawing it, um, it felt pretty good. And I even sided it in against uh, Canadian Threshold on the play. I felt on the draw it, it was too slow. But on the play, it felt really good. Because you just trade 1 for 1, 1 for 1, 1 for 1. And it even dodges Rough Tumble. So unless you're forced to double block a Delva and then get blown out by a removal spell, you kind of get to control the board at a certain point. So... That's why I'm liking it on the play against against Rock and so I guess you off. get to
0: like chump block Tarmogoyf and who can build up or is that?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a Tarmogoyf that only
0: attacks for one. That's fair. <laughs> Interesting. I also noticed that it is a tribal enchantment, so it nicely buffs my Tarmogoyf as well when <laughs> I kill it. It hasn't come up yet, but yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I come <cabal> w- there. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I wish it was a tribal enchantment elf, so you would probably be able oh to bounce God. it with some symbiote. <laughs> Imagine if it created green tokens, so you could just be like, make a token natural order? Get you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be But
1: pretty. I used the token. I mean, the tokens are still pretty good with Cradle, and I actually used a single bitter blossom to build up to Cradle of Biomoth Mana, which was probably just been more in the first place, but that's what that's super awesome, so
0: <laughs> I like that. That is pretty cool, I gotta say. I yeah. think th- I think it's a really good idea. Yeah, it's uh,
1: also like against the matchups where you just wanna drop drop a single threat and then focus more on on disrupting your opponent with uh, decays and and shamans and whatever. So you just drop it. I could see myself boarding it in against like some kind of stacks variant because it also like disables some of the youth threats by by reducing their power down to one kind of. Mm-hmm. And it's also a win condition. So thus far, I'm liking it. I hope I'm gonna pick up some foil copies anytime soon.
0: And then you'll nut yourself for however many dollars they are now. I don't even know.
1: I think they are like 40 euros. Oh, that's not too bad. Maybe 50.
0: Uh, the Cabal Therapies, old tech, choke, fine. Meekstone is a very new addition.
1: Yeah, Meekstone uh, was kind of like a concession to the Magic Online Meta game, where you have a lot of Miracles and recently also a lot of Delver-based decks. And I've always said the best sidebar card against Elves is Cage. The best main deck card against elves is Diver, and I really hate it when my opponent goes first turn Diver because it puts so much pressure on you. You get to control the ground, that's no problem, but there's nothing I really like for the air, and so I always try to avoid Meek Stone because uh, it's I felt like Nah, Prep Decay is enough for for Diver, but uh, it's so so smooth. It's such an elegant solution to Diver. It's just a one mana colorless drop, and if you think about the matchup strategy wise they won't bot in artifact or enchantment removal. Because yeah. there's nothing that comes from your side. Be- that, that's like a u- a very big point when you consider how to build your sideboard or how to surprise your opponent in a big tournament. Um, think of what they side in, what they don't side in, and build accordingly. And thus far, Meek Stone is insane. It's kind of like turning Delva into a Rift Bolt. Uh, I mean, that's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think it's worth it for them reasonably, I mean, boarding in artifact removal against elves, it doesn't... Those are lost slots, because if they draw them and you don't have the Meekstone, nice yeah. dead card, and if they do, then was it really worth it?
1: Yeah, of course, they get to shuffle it back of, of Brainstorm and whatever, because that's sure. what the, most of these decks do, but overall, its I think it's a, a winning battle for us to try out Meekstone, and by us I mean elves.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, what else is in
1: there? Sylvan Library? Yeah, Sylvan Library, um, I already considered it in my Bazaar of Moxen build, and I'm not sure. I think I might have actually played a single Sylvan Library in the Bazaar of Moxen build. It's mo- mostly, as I mentioned, um, to turn into an even more mid-rangier, grindier deck, and it also helps find the other sidebar cards, and it's just like. it keeps the deck together. It obviously works pretty good with Progenitors, because now you're most likely not gonna draw it anymore. And yeah, it's it's kind of the thing i do after sideboarding very often you will see me myself um you will see me siding out like one or two natural orders even and a certain number of glimpses and just be this grindy mid rangey deck as i mentioned like five times by now but that's how i like to play the sideboarded games and Sylvan library helps a lot there
0: well that's good i mean i'm a real big fan of Sylvan library i mean i play three in my junk deck and i really like it um it just helps you find cards, it's card selection, it's card advantage, um, overall it's really great, I mean, especially if you're not playing Brainstorm, but even if you are, in addition to? Yeah, yeah, for so sure. It's, it's fine. Surgical Extraction also, um, yeah, is surgery. interesting.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of the cards um, that I always told people now it's not going to be worth it in, in um, elves in the sideboard, because you're not going to fight greater base decks with it, but after a while, uh, it dawned upon me that it's despite having like a bad reputation as a card against miracles it's not that bad i mean people often in uh, i would say like in stuff like i don't know maverick maybe even what sided in against miracles just to hit some random stuff but in elves the impact the impact of terminus is so so huge that you really gotta find a way to fight it and i used the uh, the needles but recently I'm trying out the surgical extractions because they completely shut off the terminus. I mean, yes, you have to eat the first terminus, and usually you eat the first terminus for, like, two creatures, and hopefully one of them is even not going to be important at all, like Aquarian Ranger, s- because you put up a lot of early pressure, and that's the first test for them. Find the first terminus to survive. Uh, if you extract any other terminus, and I wouldn't even wait for them to draw the second one, because that gives them too much time to even find protection... For the terminus so what i will do i will on the next upkeep or if they are tapped out on my turn even extract the terminus and most people in europe unlike joy lost don't play supreme verdict uh, and yeah unfortunately they still play for our thoughts but you can handle that so if you extract the terminus it's like do whatever you like i won't do anything against you just go ahead and kill me and that's awesome it's true. So I
0: mean, their only real out maybe afterboard might be an Engineered Explosives or something. Yeah,
1: yeah. And even against Engineered Explosives, it's that's a, like a one-shot that kills like only best case, it kills like half your board and yeah, it's 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 really, really good and o- obviously the impact in the matchups where you would also want such good extraction is still pretty good. I think these matchups aren't bad anyways, like for example, Mana the Stretch is an awesome matchup for, for elves. Dredge is like 50-50, but Surgical Extraction really helps, because usually you, st- you hit the Caval Therapies and then kill them on the next turn of Natural Order, that's, like, that's the dynamic of the matchup usually. So with Dredge and even some more Reanimator on the rise, at least that's what I feel, I, r- I really like this addition right now. Hmm. So what you might actually question, and that's the, the slot I question the most, is the Choke. Because the Choke is, it is really... A <laughs> Yeah that that doesn't matter to me anyways um because if you if the cards have like a high impact being a one-off isn't as bad as like a card that doesn't really have a high impact high impact you see
0: choke it's is pretty high impact pretty yeah under. yeah
1: and it's i guess it's just me hating miracles like hating it with a lot of passion a lot of lot of i don't know it's the deck i really really hate losing to because i mean that's Maybe that's just me, but whenever I lose to a Miracles player, I have a hard time telling whether he was actually better than me or just found enough terminus and, and, and shoot the angels to beat me. So that like, leaves a bad feeling inside me. And yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that makes sense,
0: because you're like, I with enough skill, you think I should take this matchup no problem, even though it's maybe, in theory, a little bit disfavorable. A but that's still every, <laughs> still, every time you lose, you're like, fuck, why... Yeah.
1: So if you if you look at the sideboard, what would you feel like would be my worst matchups by now? Worst matchup? Yeah. Or what would be like a matchup you'd rather dodge?
0: With elves, I still yeah. think reanimator is still bad times for you. Yeah. You hope yeah. you hit. S- you hope you hit surgical extraction, or you know he, they have a slow hand because otherwise, say turn one, turn two, Elishnorn is uh, goodbye. Yeah.
1: Like the you don't beat the god hand of of. Uh, really matter. That's true. I mean, even with the sideboard with surgicals and stuff here, it's not gonna happen. Storm's it's also p- pretty bad yeah. for you. That's what I wanted to focus on because storm and especially uh, sneak and show got really really worse. Because if you look at the sideboard, you can see that I cut like three of our discard spells uh, or uh, rods and pithing needles. So right now, dedicated hate cards against sneak and show are probably two cable therapies. And maybe Meekstone, but that's not even that good. <laughs> I swing
0: for 15 with Emrakul, but I can't untap him. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I
1: swing for 7 with Grizzlebrand. Oh, I'm going to draw 14 cards. Oh, swing again with the next Grizzlebrand. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, I don't know if this sideboard is viable in the long run, uh, but for a, sh- like a compressed metagame like Magic Online, where you kind of can expect which decks you're gonna face I think it's okay and right now I feel like Miraculous is keeping Storm in check not so much sneak attack and I feel people should play slightly more sneak attack although I hate myself for, s- for saying that uh but yeah these are like two very bad matchups but a- as long as you're aware that you're making this this I don't know You're cutting off some percentages here, adding them there, as long as you're aware of. I mean, that's okay. That's like your decision, or in this case, my decision to do it that way. Exactly, Um, because
0: if you understand the expected metagame, it's it's fine. It's just you have to, you're content with yourself when you go, okay, I ran into the worst matchup I possibly could, and I lost. Yeah. That's the way it is. I mean...
1: yeah, I can see myself um cutting the choke again for a card that's more tailor-made to beat uh combo decks, so probably another discard spell because what what I didn't mention yet is uh, that surgical extractions are really good with the discard spells. That's another point. Um you can kind of s- dictate the the complete pace of the game if if you s- uh surgical extraction for example, let's say the the show entails you know that the only way they're going to beat you is Sneak Attack. The other way around, if you Surgical Extraction the Sneak Attacks, which I would ra- much rather do, you know they're only going to get there by the means of show and tell. And if you uh, manage to draw into a Progenitus, for example, which I always side in against Sneak Attack, you know that if you get them down to like 10 life, or let's say 14, if if you've gotten Deathrite chairman, they can't win anymore. And with all these fetch lands and and soul lands and Force of Worlds, that's going to happen quite often. And that's what I really like. It gives another strategic aspect to your deck.
0: I knew I know that I was playing uh, surgical extraction. I guess about a year ago, uh, just to have the you know thought see surgical extraction. I mean, there's definitely really cool plays. I mean, as even as we saw with uh, Kobe playing Delver, like you know they brainstorm in response to something. You know, hiding cards and then you surgical extraction to make them shuffle. And there's a lot of really cool plays you can do with surgical and. Did uh, okay. Did I
1: mention? Yeah, for sure. Did I mention? Um, at the, did we talk about the G.P. Warsaw side event? No, I, think we I did don't in a think. Previous cast, didn't we? Maybe. Because uh, I made an interesting play with surgical extraction, extraction that actually won me the game. Well, let's hear it. Okay, so um, G.P. Warsaw side event. Uh, we are playing six rounds. I'm up four zero, and in the semi to last round, we are three elves players on the top two tables, and so I have to play the mirror twice. Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> uh, and spoiler, I unfortunately lost the mirror twice, so I didn't win this side event. Would have been the fourth GP side event in a row for me to win. But uh, the interesting part comes in round four, not in round five and six. That's just a mirror match. That's not interesting, especially for F's. So in round four, I'm playing um, against this guy from Germany. I know him, and he's on Storm. I win game one. I'm not actually ex- exactly sure what he's playing because game one he presented. Uh, Volcanic Island, Tropical Island, Ponder, Brainstorm, which kind of makes me feel like he's playing Rock, but he, he didn't play any other spells, so maybe he was like a Storm deck with Tropical Island in the main deck, and he just couldn't find a UC or whatever. So I'm kind of leaning towards Storm, because that's what I could see him playing anyways. Uh, he wins the second game. S- uh, turns out he is on Storm. And now the third game. I have him down to, I believe it's 5 life. In my hand, I've got Swan Song. back then I was still playing it, or like, let's say trying it out, and Surgical Extraction, and an active Deathrite Shaman. So, uh, let me remember. Um, in this situation, it's pretty clear the only way he's able to win is either Natural Tendrils or Past Flames, but since I got uh, the active Deathrite Shaman, I've got means to prevent it, even though you can still wi- win through an active Deathrite Shaman if you... Like hit the right cards. So what yeah. he does is he does some pondering, some some mana, mana generating. <coughs> he plays a discard spell. So at this point I am like, okay, he's probably gonna take the Swan Song, so I'm not gonna surgical extract here anyways. And wait for a better opportunity. And if he takes the surgical, I still got the counter spell, so yeah, I let it resolve. He takes the Swan Song. And so he's quite surprised to see the Surgical in my hand at that point. And he thinks about it for like one or two minutes and then makes some very interesting weird plays and uh, i'm not gonna spoil what's gonna happen now because uh, it's kind of interesting and that felt really really good about my decisions afterwards so his ha- his land um his graveyard is seven cards including two copies of getaxian probe that he had cast earlier he's got an lotus petal in play and he's tapping out to play cavil ritual so We've got several lines we could he- have here. Like, for example, we could eat anything in his graveyard um, to get him off threshold, but then he just sacrifices Lotus Petal and has threshold again. So we're gonna, not going to use the Deathrite Shaman. But what we could do is use the Surgical Extraction and extract the probes. Because at that point, he would be down to five cards, and even the, the Lotus Petal makes it only six. So yeah, so it would turn
0: him off. Interesting.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. But I would have to pay two life. And against the Storm deck, paying 2 life for Surgical is like paying 4 life, because you also add 1 to the Storm count. So, I'm thinking about it, and I just let it resolve. Because since he's on 5 life, and I've got 5 points of attackers next turn anyways, I'm feeling like, yeah, Adnoseum is not gonna get there, and anything else he has, I don't mind. Let him cast whatever he wants. Um, I don't want to deny him the mana when all I'm concerned about is the graveyard. So, it resolves. He uses the mana to cast Top, and looks in the top. So he looks at it for like let's say a minute, felt like an eternity to me, and then looks me in the eyes and says draw with the top. <laughs> ah <laughs> What do you do?
0: <laughs> uh draw with top? You probably tried a surgical just to get the uh, the shuffle. Yeah, that's that's like what I mean a lot of
1: people would do, and maybe it would be right in a lot of situations, but in this situation I felt like no. I sh- really shouldn't do it, because... Maybe he yeah, looked
0: tuning the eye to, like, I need a new card? <laughs> um, no. Um, wh-
1: what I was thinking again is, the only way is he's gonna beat me either using the Graveyard or Natural Tendrils. And either way, I don't wanna use Surgical Extraction here, because as I said, that's like plus two Storm for him. So if he's gonna draw a card that wins him through the Graveyard, through an Active death Chairman and Surgical Extraction, well... Okay, that's going to happen. But uh, generally speaking, I think, let him just draw the card. I don't mind. And so I let the top resolve. He draws the card. And then he plays another discard spell. He plays a Durus again. I think he he found another Dark Ritual in between. So he had quite a lot of mana. And so he plays a discard spell. And now surgical Extraction is the last card in my hand. And I could extract the Cabal Ritual or the Ataxian Probes in response to the discard spell, or just let him have the discard spell. So, at this point, he's still got the, the Lotus Petal, and he's got about, I think, five mana floating.
0: How many cards in hand? Three. Hmm.
1: Including the one he drew from the top, but that could have been the jurors anyways. Hmm. It's a hard call. Yeah, it's it's a super hard call. That's uh, I, I think there's... It's very hard to say which one's the right play, and uh, fortunately, I made the right play. I just... I thought about it for, like two minutes, I believe, because it was the, the it was going to be the final turn of the game, and we both know this, it came down to this. So, the jurors, or was it a, a thought cease? I don't even know. It was on the table, and I'm thinking about it, thinking about it, and then I just put my surgical to the table, and I'm like, okay, you're gonna take this, and he's, he just extends the hand and says, okay, you win. Maybe <laughs> he needed the one more storm? <laughs> two, yeah, he needed the one more storm, and the two life I would have to pay to surgical, and any, everything he did the entire turn, he had, he had tendrils tendrils in hand already, and everything he did was dedicated to getting me, like, trapping me into surgicaling. Uh, like, when he played the Cabal Ritual, he wanted me to surgical the probes. I didn't do it. When he drew off the top, he wanted me to surgical again. I didn't do it. When he played the discard spell, he wanted me to use my surgical in response. I didn't do it again. I, I declined three good opportunities to use yeah. surgical extraction, and that won me the game and the match. And that felt so awesome, because... That's exactly how how I imagined it in my head to happen. Like, I told him, you've got tendrils in hand, right? And he he just flashes the tendrils, and yeah.
0: (laughs) That's a pretty good call. I don't think you'd be wrong 100% to surgical, though. I don't think you would have been strictly incorrect. Yeah, I mean...
1: It's all just a game of numbers. There's yeah. no 100% call. It's like, I don't know, even if it's like a 70-30 or 60-40 call or whatever, um, there are definitely going to be situations where it's right. And given the the signals he sent by the way he played the game earlier, you can you kind of have to make a decision. And for me, I decided, yeah, he's going to win through a graveyard or natural tendrils. And that's the two scenarios. And uh, against neither scenario, using the Celtic would have been good. So, yeah. I just remember the moment... The the Surgical Extraction went to the bin and he extended his hand, and that was awesome.
0: <laughs>
1: That's pretty great. Oh, yeah. Um. Unfortunately, I, won a, uh, I lost against Elves two times afterwards, but yeah. That's a mirror match.
0: You just gotta run more Golgari Charm, didn't dance dun
1: <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what would be really good in the mirror. Like, a card that you could actually play, like, seriously put in your sideboard. And and still look in the mirror and... <laughs> look in the mirror, <laughs> like, literally speaking.
0: <laughs> well, just splash white for Zealous Persecution and you'll be good to go. Oh, yeah. And then you probably still lose. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we want to just quickly go through the Star City Games results for the last couple yeah. of weeks. Okay, so, I mean, looking at the, uh, the open in Knoxville, Blue Red Delver for first, Painted Stone for second. Awful four color Deathblade for third. Uh, Miracle. So none of these are particularly interesting except the fact that you have two painter decks in the top eight, which is, you know, it's a pretty good percentage. I mean, it seems like all of them are now running the Strawberry Shortcake Red White version. I think. Yeah, it,
1: yeah, yeah. That's I think what he did at Cheapy Paris.
0: Yeah, I think it is the better version, in my opinion. But what really caught me is there is a Lonely Stoneblade deck. Josh Han plays sixth with a kind of a I mean it's dead guy ale. Um but updated. So I mean two revokers. Yeah, I don't like the Shriek <laughs> Maw. <laughs>
1: That's interesting. Is there any way to abuse the evoke like sacrificing it at instant speed?
0: No. No, I don't think so. I just think um I just think it's value and it's a three two fear. Okay. So I mean if you need it to be it's a removal spell and if not it's a three two. Still Moon Cavalier is obviously insane. <laughs> um oh. Put a Sword of Fire and Ice on Still Moon, and you're just ridiculous.
1: (laughs) Protection from everything but elves. Correct. (laughs) But it's got flying.
0: Swords, GTA. Lingering Souls, very good. I mean, Liliana, discard my own Lingering Souls. Flashback Lingering Souls. Attach an equipment, kill you. Uh, Harassing Planeswalkers. Overrun the board. Uh, The sideboard seems pretty standard. I would probably play more Perish. I know you wouldn't like that, Julian. But <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> I can see that. I mean, if you are not playing, I mean, he, okay, he's playing Deathrite Shaman, so nah. But he's not playing any other green creatures like most bug decks. I mean, he's hardly a bug deck. He's only got Deathrite Shaman. So yeah,
0: I would definitely, I would definitely bring it in. I mean, Tarmogoyf is a is a problem for you because you know your your creatures are all you know X one X twos. You know, I mean, Zealous Persecution and Golgari Charm are a problem. Might as well bring in something to take out all those Tarmogoyfs. I'd probably run more Rest in Pieces as well. He's got... He's got one.
1: Okay, he's got a single tutor, okay? So basically he's got two. Okay, I see.
0: I'd still run probably a second solid copy because, again, you're a black-white deck. It's fine.
1: Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience with black-white decks because that's... Even though it was the first color combination I played in Magic when I started out, I feel it's... uh, it it doesn't have like a real strong punch. It's it, it. I mean, if you add green, you've got this these good creatures. Uh, Black-white. To me, uh, I'm not a fan. I mean, I can see the stack doing well, and it obviously it plays a lot of good cards, and even plays Rex and Evoker on the main, which I think is awesome. It's just weak. and Yeah, it's weak. Yeah, it, that's what I mean. Um, I mean, even though yeah, Luring Souls is a good card. To me, it's still like. I don't want to bash the deck. Uh, I mean, it's it's it did well, and it seems like it's not, lo- like not a bad deck overall. It it wouldn't just be like my kind of deck. I agree. I, I'm not the gu- kind of guy who likes to cast uh, sorcery speed vindicates.
0: Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the vindicates, but I mean, you don't have anything else in those colors, so it's like, what yeah, else are you going to do? Yeah. Um. So I just wanted to quickly then move on to Somerset, which we saw Kobe place fifteenth uh, yeah. with Maverick. So. We built this deck, I mean, some Kobe, some me, uh, basically a couple of nights before he left. Oh yeah, you told me. <laughs> yeah. And we were just like, oh, how many of this do we want? Ah, I'll just jam more. And so basically the strategy was Deathrite Shaman's, lots of them, and just jam a lot of Casali Pride Mages against equipment. <laughs> and it worked out, and he wanted to play Dark Depths, and Sigarda yep. in the main is a good card. Uh, I pushed for two Sylvan Library and got it. Great. Good job. (laughs) And he's playing Soren Lord of Innistrad in the board against Miracles, so you produce a lot of tokens. Uh, You're also very good in the mid-range matchups, because you can buff all your guys, or you just ultimate and steal Planeswalkers or creatures. So you can (laughs) still Jace if you need to. Did he have ultimate at any point? I don't think he did at any point, which is unfortunate. But Dark Maverick is nice (laughs) because he gets Pajukabog, he gets Thoughtseize and Soren, Lord of Innistrad, and Zealous Persecution. He said Zealous Persecution was really good all day. Remember, he's playing, like, ton of little creatures. If he yeah. needs to alpha, yeah, Seem- yeah. seems fine.
1: Zealous <coughs> Self- Persecution is awesome. It's, like, one of the main reasons to play the deck, in, or not this deck, but generally to play, to play black and white in the first place. So maybe we could even add it to the deck we previously discussed, I think. Oh, he had two copies, okay. He did. The sideboard. Yeah. I
0: think if I were actually playing that black-white deck, I might even play a copy or two main because, yeah. considering you run Lingering Souls, you could swing for
1: 8. I would definitely... I would like to cut a copy of the Vindicates for at least one Solid Persecution in the main. I mean, it's always so going to be handy. So, another interesting deck always. that we saw uh, recently yeah, we at set was so 12 Post,
0: good. played by Jeremiah Rudolph, who I think is Rockwell on the source.
1: Yeah, I, I, he's pretty well known for playing yeah. 12 Post at
0: least. Yeah, so the list can be seen on Star City Games, but I don't know, I kind, like, the the list seems okay. I'm like just wondering if it of could of be
1: better. I like the inclusion of Moment's Peace. I don't know if it's good enough for 12 post. maybe it is. I also consider it for Elves, and I think it's an awesome card. It's, against the decks where it's good, it's a double time walk. Like, imagine using it against Elves. You get to disable the initial pump of of the Crotter of Biomoth, and then, even for the second one, but chances are it's gonna be eaten by Deathrite Chairman, but even just wa- the one-time Fog... It's, it's actually super interesting in a deck that has so much, I don't know how to call it, like leverage, like 12 post, if it gets to untap just one more turn again, I can see the card doing a lot of
0: work. So I really well, like you the idea. blow out your opponent, because you can be like, oh, moment's peace on the lethal attack phase, excellent, Emrakul, take another turn, kill you. Yeah, yeah. Like, oof. So I like the moment's peace, but I was actually looking at uh, Sean's uh, 12 post list that he posted on the Pimp thread. Oh, and look that up. He was actually running Trinket Mage, which was the biggest inclusion that I thought was really interesting. Because Trinket Mage grabs Top, Pithing Needle, Candle, Expedition Map, grabs all these cards. Yeah,
1: I I know that Jeremiah... Oh, oh, here it is, I see. Uh, Jeremiah used to run that as well. I don't know why he actually dropped it, because I think it's really, really good.
0: And three mana is not much for this deck. Um, What else did he run? For
1: the early game, it's like... The early turns develop quite the same as a usual deck because the the huge uh, mana boost actually just kicks in once you get the second post. So like on turn four maybe if you want to use colored mana. But Mm. I think, yeah, Trinket Mage is is quite good here.
0: Also too, uh, Sean's deck is running Greens and Zenith because being able to Greens and Zenith for, you know, Primeval Titan is pretty good. You don't care about... You just want ways to find Primeval Titan There's one card, I don't know. Is is that
1: actually in the deck? Crozen? In German? He's got the German version. Crozen Wayfarer. Oh, Wayfarer. So what does it Uh, do?
0: He puts uh, a a land uh, from your hand into play. Oh, it's
1: like a one-time exploration.
0: Yeah. Kind of. That's interesting because
1: it's instant speed.
0: Yeah. So you could always put in like attack phase and you're just like, oh, Glacial Chasm. Uh Uh-huh.
1: So why is it better than crop rotation?
0: Maybe it's just crop rotation number five.
1: No, I don't see any. Oh, no, here it is. I see. Okay, so kind of crop rotation number five without the tutoring.
0: He's also playing Cyclonic Rift, which is also, I guess that's replacing moments piece, just to like, oh, bounce your board.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's such a dominant strategy in the late game. It's incredibly strong. I mean, you always have to balance off your early game and your late game, you can't just play all these late game bombs, but I love seeing new cards and see how people do with it. So, just shake up the meta game in a way. I mean, the deck isn't big enough to actually shake up the meta game, but uh, somebody's got to start, I guess.
0: Well, I mean, the deck is not only expensive to build, uh, it's probably really hard to play well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, too, Wasteland just mucks this deck pretty hard. I mean, any sort of... I mean, I've played against this deck, and if you run Scavenging Ooze, it's also... it's pretty good too just like destroy something suck it up get rid of it uh, abrupt decay is actually really good too because hitting expedition map before they can pop it off or their candle or
1: yeah in the early game yeah but
0: I mean, no, I mean I'm mean, i not even going to talk about blood moon that's not even <laughs> uh, I,
1: uh, the main reason this deck runs pithing needle is wasteland actually so yeah that's why it's got three copies in the main deck because otherwise if all these comes into play tapped lands that you're highly dependent on would be pr- quite a- quite problematic I guess
0: Suffice to say, I think uh, Jeremiah Rudolph is probably one of the better 12 post players in North America. So I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised to see him do so well. But I think the reason why you're not seeing so many people put up numbers with this deck is just hard to play, cost, and yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: And it's quite like a quite different deck from what we usually see in Legacy. But for no- especially now, it should be really, really good. I mean it kind of demolishes Miracles. I, I played 12-post once at the Bazaar of Moxon last year and honestly, I just borrowed it from a friend and played it. And I didn't even think about how the matchups are, but when you play against Miracles, at some point you're like, what the fuck, this, what do you even want to do? Uh, you can't beat me. It's, you just play lands, cast your Eldrazi, and Miracles dies. So unless they actually get to kind of stall the game into uh, Angels and kill you, you you just don't care about anything that's in Miracles, and that's the beauty of Trevpost, in a way, at least in nowadays metagame.
0: Oh yeah, you definitely crush Miracles. Miracles doesn't have enough counterspells for all of your bombs, because basically every card is a bomb. So you have to save, what, a counter for show-and-tell? So you got to save a counter for any of their old Razi, like for Primeval Titan, I mean, Expedition Map, I mean... It's yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, Show and Tell, you can
1: handle Show and Tell if you get the Karakas, but the stack is also running uh, Pithing Needles, so Karakas isn't that much of a reliable strategy anymore, so,
0: yeah. But also, too, they have enough mana that, like, oh, bounce your Emrakul, I'll just yeah. recast replay, it. Yeah, well. replay, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Also, Miracles doesn't really attack your mana base at all, so do whatever you like. Exactly. Yeah, Miracles is just far too slow. Yeah. It's just like uh, Miracles against Agrolome. Miracles just has a tough time. Yeah. Just because the engine of Life from the Lone Seismic assaulter is just—they just can't stop it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, I, I really—I like, mean, I've got like 75% of the stack built, and the other 25% being probably Tabernacle. Does he even run? Oh, he didn't run Tabernacle. Jeremiah. But didn't
0: run uh, Sean runs it in the board. Oh yeah. I would run—I would run a Tabernacle for value, because <laughs> Tabernacling out my opponent is pretty fun. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's actually. Uh, Better than you would think against elves. I've had quite a lot of headaches because of Tabernacle.
0: Well, essentially, you have to. U- if you have a cradle, you have to use it to pay for your guys, which means you're not accelerating. And if you don't have a cradle, it's bad times.
1: Yeah, I mean, in this deck, he doesn't run like Travpost doesn't run car- uh, Wasteland, so it's manageable. But generally speaking, there's some kind of pox stacks, and I really hate the- hate that. <laughs> it's how how expensive is Tabernacle right now? Oh, maybe don't
0: even tell me. I sold mine like one year ago it's probably like four hundred bucks for like (laughs) something not super played oh man (laughs) yeah I had a few of them and I just didn't use them so I slowly sold them off but uh, I still have my one just in case is there any card in Legacy that you don't have no (laughs) a humble no (laughs) (laughs) I mean actually no I actually don't have Imperial Recruiter yeah okay but I don't play any deck with Imperial Recruiter fair (laughs) So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's unfortunate. I might have to pick that up.
1: <laughs> so another deck that I considered really interesting was the Murfak deck by what's his name, Chona Gainer. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, he also top eighted uh, Somerset, and he was running a one-of Cozy's Trickster. And I feel that card is awesome. I don't know how good it is because I never tried it, but like what the card actually does is so interesting because it's so unique. And for the people that don't know, it's a one-one Murfak for one blue. And every time your opponent shuffles his, his or her library, you may put a plus one, plus one counter on Kosi's Trickster. So, what do you think about the card?
0: Well, I think it's actually pretty good. I actually have a funny story from a Star City Games. Oh, go uh, ahead. So, before the tournament, this was maybe a year or two ago, uh, somebody's asking me, hey, I need a card. Can't really tell you what it is. <laughs> but I really need it and nobody has them. I said, what is it? Well, I need to know, otherwise I can't. He's like, do you have any Kosi's Trickster? <laughs> And I'm like, that's your secret tech, Co, Co-, Co- Strixer? trickster? This is a terrible idea, and I just berated him for minutes. And then he went uh, X one and eventually fell out of top sixty four convention. Uh after a while, but I was like he was like, Yeah, the card's pretty good. I mean, we do a lot of shuffling in legacy. I think the card has promised, it's only one mana too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean do- Yeah. It it you shuffle twice off of a green sun zenith. Yeah, that's an so awesome part. <laughs> I loved it. So you get two uh, two plus one plus one counters. Uh, if Survival of the Fittest was legal, every turn, every time you survived, your or your opponent survived, you would um, you would be getting counters. I like it. I really like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean
1: that's like an interaction I think a lot of people might miss on the first try because the way Crimson Standard is worded, you actually get out the creature, then shuffle your library. And then shuffle Green sun, sun it back into your library, so it actually shuffles twice, so <laughs> that's one of the more tricky interactions you can see.
0: But looking at the rest of the list, I mean, Curse Catcher is pretty normal, Lord of Atlantis Master, uh, Phantasmal Image, uh, you're seeing more and more copies of Phantasmal Image being played, obviously just because you just copy Trunan Nemesis and go to town, which is also a legitimate strategy if you're playing against Trunan Nemesis, as we've talked about this before. <laughs> Phantasmal Image get your own seems good. <laughs> your fantasmal images got so much utility especially with Ethervile. Oh true. I mean just just being able to copy another lord or who knows a cozy strixer perhaps.
1: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately you can't use it in
0: response to the sun. Oh actually you can. Right, you can because the sun hasn't resolved yet. <laughs> so you could do that. Oh, I don't li- know. I I li- like I like the list. It's pretty standard for Vile, 4 days 4, four soul, Two bears, no standstill. Kind of makes me a little sad But standstill has kind of Fallen out of favor There's so much removal That can happen Before you get down standstill yeah, But I don't know. Lo- Yeah
1: There's a lot of stuff That can go wrong Especially with abrupt decay In response to your standstill And suddenly uh, I don't know You You're don't have your again. other while And it's kind of Eh And you don't have Wastelands anymore I mean that's one of the Other big changes uh, Holy shit
0: I didn't even notice that
1: yeah, I I've re- I um, encountered it on Magic Online quite a few times now that Murfolk just dropped Wasteland in favor of more Cavern of Souls. Because, <laughs> let's be honest, the mana base is really bad. It's probably the worst uh, monocolored mana base in all of Legacy. And imagine cutting four more islands for four more Wastelands and now you've got like eight islands and four Cavern of Souls uh, that don't really cast Spell Pierce, don't return for days, uh, don't cast your sideboard cards. Like, reliably, it's... That's true. I can see it, and especially with True mm. Night Nemesis, putting uh, p- uh, lifting the curve slightly. Actually, I think they cut the re-tree, so the curve should remain. Yeah, it looks same. like
0: they cut the re-tree. Yeah. Huh. I do like the sideboard though. I mean, the first one that really comes out at me is the Chalice of the Void. Oh, and we even saw that in the main deck. I think like one or two weeks ago. It's wasn't it that. Yeah, somebody, well? somebody was somebody was playing it in the main deck, which is really interesting. I'm like, what is the concession for that? I mean, what are the? I mean, playing in main deck seems pretty deep. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure why you would play it in the main deck, but
1: having played Murfak myself, actually the combo matchup isn't as good as you would want it to be. I mean, f- like, for hard counters, you usually only have Force Phosphil, like, at least in the main deck, so people have been experimenting it, like, when I was deeper into Murfak like, two or three years back with Chalice of the Void, but it never really caught on, so I was quite surprised to see it make a comeback. And these days, it's Almost seems like the standard to at least have it in the sideboard.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering if uh, if Merfolk players are just seeing, <coughs> excuse me, if Merfolk players are just seeing, or this player was expecting more combo at Somerset, or or kind of what the what the deal was, because we haven't seen a lot of storm combo kind of showing up in the top eight. Yeah, yeah, huh? I'm I, I'm
1: actually I don't know why why you would really want it right now because storm combo at least in my experience is at an all-time low right now. <coughs>
0: so. I mean. I mean, that's why you've changed your sideboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I'm not 100% committed to leaving it this way because it's really soft to combo, but right now I'm, I really like
0: it, honestly. One of the cards that I really like is actually the back-to-basics uh, because there's a gentleman who came up and won my mocks away from me at a tournament that I hosted and he was playing Esper Esper Deathbl- well, Stoneblade or Esper Control with two back-to-basics main and card blew out some opponents. I mean, a lot of people aren't expecting it, they just tap out at will, and uh, get this dropped on them, and yeah, it's, it's a good card.
1: It hasn't been present in Legacy for, for quite a while, and it's slowly making a comeback. I've even seen it in, like, one or two Miracles lists in, in the main deck. Uh, these are more dedicated, back-to-basic lists, of course, but, yeah, the card keeps creeping back, and I think it's, it's like, good for the meta game because right now people are really, really big on their non-basics, and people g- actually give shit for, for playing basics. So if you play, b- like, I think Sean marie still plays two basic lands in his chartless Backlist, and we had him on, like, in one of the previous podcasts, and people aren't convinced of these basic lands, and they're like, come on, you're playing a three-color deck, just play all non-basic, and yeah, these are the people that get punished by cards exactly. like Back to Basics. usually Or Blood Moon. Yeah, or Black Moon, because that's there's, there's like a trade-off. Um, usually, you're you end up better if you play more non-basics, because a single wasteland isn't going to cut you off of any colors. Unless you play, if you play basics, a single uh, wasteland on one of your duels might actually cut you off of a color. But like this permanent, general hit, like Back to Basics or Blood Moon, preys on those people. That that are like, yeah, I'm just going to play all, ba- all non-basics, so I'm actually safer against wasteland than I would be otherwise. But now this comes back, and yeah, it's quite
0: interesting what's going to happen. But, I mean, I think people also do underestimate the double Wasteland play. I mean, with a lot of the blue decks having access to Ponder and Brainstorm, I have to also reasonably expect my opponent could possibly run a runner one turn after the other, Wasteland, Wasteland. I mean, it happened last night. I was contemplating, I had a double Deathrite Shaman hand with a fetch Fetchland yeah. uh, that fetched, it was a Verdant Catacombs, and my hand was, you know, there was some white, a lot of green, some black. So I could have gone for Bayou. Yeah. But I didn't. I, I went for basic forest. And, and my opponent. Like an <laughs> I did. My opponent knew what I was on. He was Patriot. And he just went, Oh, okay. Whatever and I played my Sylvan Library and I had to unfortunately play out Bayou. What happened? Wasteland. Played yeah. out Scrubland, Wasteland. So I mean, sure I got cut off, but if I had just led into basic, I might have been cut off. It actually turned out that death on ended up dying to lightning bolt anyway, so Whoa. I could have been actually just out of that game had I not fetched for a basic land. And I, think, and I think I feel like my experiences with Blood Moon have been. I've been blown out too many times to accept it. So I play enough basic lands so that I can cast every spell in my deck under my suite of basic lands, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can see it in a deck like yours. You, you don't really have a lot. Do you play um, Hymn to Torch? No, I don't. Okay, so if you don't have like a lot of double-colored mana costs, I can actually see having more basic lands. For me, um, right now I would still stick to not having the basics, but I can really see that change. I mean, in Elves, obviously you c- you have the basics, but like a multicolored deck, yeah, in the end it's also kind of like where you want to go. Do you want to be like, you, as you mentioned, you don't want to lose to, m- to Blood Moon, at least you don't want to instantly lose to it. And some people are like, yeah, okay, whatever, if he's got the Blood Moon, that's fine. Um, you, as i mentioned earlier if you're aware of the trade off you're having here it's it's fine because it's your and you decision you accept it yeah it's your decision how to play the game and what you want to be good and, or weak against so if you're aware of it that also means that you don't get to complain afterwards
0: exactly but you still see so many people like oh man that painter deck and you're like well the <laughs> painter deck is just just <laughs> praying about. i mean i can't i how many times i've thanked my lucky like, stars that like i you know, open a hand of Painter just with basic force Deathrite Shaman and go, you know what? That's... I'll take it. It's something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, So also, we I've noticed that Alex Bertoncini uh, placed with the worst deck of the format, <laughs> a.k.a. Esper Deathblade. So I just wanted to open up his list. He's running, actually, more of the full-on Turn and Nemesis list. So if we notice, he's running Deathrite Shaman, Snapcaster, Stoneforge Mystic, four true Nenesis, and a Clique. And then he's just running the Batterskull Ponder, Vindicate, Thoughtseize. And you know what? I see a lot of Vindicates popping up in these uh, Deathblade lists, but overall, everywhere else, not so much. Yeah, I really like Vindicate.
1: Yeah, we we talked about it earlier. I I remember when, oh, what was his name? Um, You know, the guy of Channel Fireball. Ah, come on. The guy that won the Legacy GP with Esper Deathblade.
0: Yes yes, 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 I just can't remember his name. Uh, oh. Tom Mattel. When Tom Mattel
1: yeah. uh, won the Legacy GP, everybody just copycatted his list, and he also had a single Vindicate. So for month and maybe even a year after, people still kept that one Vindicate, and I guess some people just grew to like it, like Alex. Alex, actually, is, I've i seen it on twi- not not on Twitter, somewhere. Uh, Chris von Mita mentioned that Alex has been advertising Esper Deathblade, as by far the best deck in the format, and that he should be playing it. And I was quite surprised to hear that because it hasn't really had good showings as of lately.
0: No, I mean, let I mean, we broke we talked about this on the podcast when we first started a year ago about how this deck is a worthless pile of garbage, <laughs> and it only got slightly better because you got True Name Analysis. But I mean, I'm sure this is because it does have access to quote unquote the best cards in the format glued together by Brainstorm. Mm, you know, it's debatable, but the mana base is is a cringe. <laughs> Creeping Tarpit, he has Wastelands, a Caracas, Tropical Islands, Scrub. What is this? How many v- Fetchlands does he have? Six?
1: Wait, oh no, ten. Okay. Ten. <laughs> ten <laughs> Fetchlands. Been, oh yeah. So,
0: I mean, Rug Delver hasn't been seeing a ton of great finishes, but, like, Blue White, blue Red Delver, um, Rug Delver, any of these mana denial decks. <clears throat> are just going to absolutely have their way with S for Deathblade. Yeah, yeah
1: but I really hope like Rugged Diver or Canadian Threshold as we call it, uh, comes back like in a bigger way. I mean, it's already kind of on the way back into the metagame uh, after having vanished completely from the scene. And I think that's good because in my experience it's like a deck that has a 50-50 matchup against Miracles and anything that's not unfavored against Miracles is good for the metagame right now. And if that deck comes back I can see Esper struggling even more, as you mentioned.
0: Yeah, I definitely think uh, Canadian Threshold has the opportunity to come back. I think a lot of people are working on it and trying to see kind of what the main problems are. I think, in my opinion, the main problems are Rest in Peace really screws over Nibble Mongoose and Tarmogoyf. And even though, say, Patriot Delver is falling out of favor, which also runs Rest in Peace, uh, Miracle still runs Rest in Peace. Death and, and Taxes runs Rest in Peace. Yeah. And Death and Taxes. And that's going to be your big problem. So the question is, how do you deal with, how do you deal with the fact that Rest in Peace is a very played card, and how do you kind of, um, how do you kind of go back to the old? Do you go back to the old Mana Denial strategy, or do you have to try something new?
1: I think the Mana Denial strategy is so built into the deck that's just that's the deck. But what, for, uh, what I remember, what people people usually used to do to kind of fight Rest in Peace somehow was to stifle the trigger. So you don't get new cards into the Graveyard, but you keep, get to keep the old ones. So I agree. that was one way of actually fighting it. But I also think that one of the biggest problems was also Deathlight Chairman plus a Prop Decay, because the Prop Decay kind of invalidates your entire Tempo approach. Suddenly you can't Spell Pierce, you can't Daze, you can't force fulfill, you're just gonna lose your threat, and that's kind of a big problem for, for a deck like Canadian Threshold.
0: Yep, and the problem is it actually can't deal with a resolved in Nemesis. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, your Tarmogoyf could be a six-seven, excellent. <laughs> yeah, but it's not going anywhere.
1: That's one of the reasons that s- some people actually advocated running True Name Nimbus in uh, Canadian Threshold itself, but it's still three mana after all, and that's not too easy.
0: I think there's actually a better way to go about it. I mean, I was talking with a friend, and I think the what you have to do is you have to use Stifle. I think Stifle has to come back uh, because it's also really good against Miracles and it's part of your Mana Denial strategy. I think the deck also needs to be playing uh, Dismember Uh just for the bigger creatures in the format. And, wait for it, Skullcrack. (laughs) Really? I think so.
1: (laughs) What? Uh, You have to convince me on that one.
0: (laughs) Okay, so let's go over what Skullcrack does. So instant 2 mana, players can't gain life this turn. Damage can be prevented this turn. Skullcrack deals 3 damage to target players. So, let's go through each of them. Players can't gain life this turn. A lot of the problem that this deck has against, like, say, equipment-based decks, like, say, Patriot Delver, is the Batterskull gap, is what I like to call it. So, you swing in with a 4-5 Tarmogoyf, and, okay, whatever. They violin Batterskull and attack with Batterskull. Now, suddenly, that 4 damage is gone that you've just done, and you've taken 4. So, every time Batterskull connects, either on an attack or a block, it's it's an 8-life swing, Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I know where you're going. So you're
0: slowly, like, I mean, the deck is trying to use lightning bolts and, you know, maybe forked bolt and, you know, Delver of Secrets to try to get you from 20 to 0 as fast as it can. But any sort of lifelinking creature, especially something with, like, a big butt like Batterskull, A, invalidates Nibble Mongoose, B, stalls up Tarmogoyf on the board, and you're suddenly not doing those 5 to 6 points of damage that you should be every turn. Skullcrack allows you to, oh, they're making a critical attack or block... Okay, cool. Skullcrack. You deal three damage to them, so you get your bolt effect. They don't gain the life and it can't be prevented. So it for one turn it helps you with that gap. But it also helps with Truna Nemesis, and I'll tell you why. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> oh, I see where you're going. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so protection So protection from target player or whatever act- Trunanemesis Nemesis actually says. Let's read it. Oh, chosen no, no. player I, has protection I, from the chosen player. This creature cannot be blocked, targeted, dealt damage, or enchanted. So if damage can't be prevented, oops, turn a nemesis <laughs> can suddenly be killed. So usually what will happen is there will be games where the opponent has a turn a nemesis and is stalling out and needs to draw other cards to remove Tarmogoyf. And you will be swinging in with Tarmogoyfs. <laughs> Probably a 5-6 or a 6-7 Tarmogoyf. Yeah. And they will block. Well, after blocks, you can skull crack so they can take 3, and then you kill their turn a nemesis. Okay. Because there's no reason for your opponent not to block the Tarmogoyf yeah. and save themselves the five damage.
1: That's actually some. That's actually an interesting tech. I mean, it's still 2 mana after all, but but that's something that's kind of a new way to actually deal with the tam- with the uh, two nemesis <laughs> I mean, I'm still co- not convinced on the on the initial cost of 2 mana, but it's it's something that people really won't see coming, and getting people uh, like in a way, they would never expect In ages, is super good in Legacy, because blowouts in Legacy usually mean you win the game.
0: Exactly. I mean, or, I mean, it's better than Reality Ripple to, like, you know, phase out the germ that and also a- the batter Skull with it, or, you know. <laughs> and the battle Skull think-
1: never comes back. That was, that was actually the cut I wanted to bring up here.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. Because <laughs> that, that also works. Any piece of equipment, like, those are all good. It's just that True nemesis is a real problem, and i mean especially pre board you don't have you don't have blasts to bring in to deal with it, so any other cards you think that could uh, i mean we can talk about reality ripple too julie well i didn't really w- want to, wanted to mention it as a solution
1: because I think it's it's not going to be good enough, but it was some old tech in in Murfolk when people were discovering like Stoneblade and was everywhere people used to play reality ripple and they targeted the token of the better skull, so the token phases out ceases to exist and because of like the special rule that's called I think it's is it like passively fade, uh, fading, uh, phasing out or whatever yes the, the equipment if something phases out the equipment but it's not the direct thing yeah it, it doesn't itself doesn't fade out but it's it's also not exiled it's like in a very strange place rules wise I think it's at the command zone or something crazy. <laughs> <Like it's laughs> M- who yeah better sky is my commander <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it, it never comes back because the token never comes back, so the equipment that was attached to it never comes back, and that was some cute tech and Murphog and I actually played it and it was good. But I think, talking about better skull, the best solution is still Stifle. You mentioned uh, Stifle coming back. It's never been gone, at least in Europe. That's, like, one of the main differences uh, between Europe and American lists, that Europeans still stuck to their Stifles. And, I mean, imagine the Tempo Swing. Your opponent goes for Stoneforge. Activates and you Stormfort. stifle the trigger.
0: No, you or you, you just stifle the end of the battlefield. Yeah,
1: you stifle the uh, the, the living weapon trigger. And suddenly he's got to pay like 3 mana to bounce it, 2 mana to, to deploy it again, and maybe you get even the next skull or maybe you're playing like a Videlian Click and you snag it out of the hand at that point. So, Skull I think we can manage. But True Nemesis, if they get to the point where they cast True Nemesis and resolve True Nemesis, you either play like Skullcrack, which is super interesting, or you have to win in the air. that's one of the two ways that I can see this happening. and I, I mean, I'm hesitant to give my seal of approval to to Skullcrack because I haven't really tried it yet, but the idea is really, really interesting. I, I don't know if it's going to be better than just playing oh I, I was mentioning like playing more red blast in the sideboard, but you're talking about main deck applications, right? Yeah, okay.
0: You see, because I also think another interesting card that people could run is Artifact Mutation. Oh, so, no, again, going we're deep. going deep here. <laughs> Very deep. So, Artifact Mutation costs uh, red-green. Destroy target artifact. It can't be regenerated. That's a main main point here, kids. Uh, put X-1-1 one, one green <laughs> sapling tokens into play where X is the converted mana cost. So, for example, you could use Destructive Revelry. You could use Ancient Grudge or... Artifact Mutation. So, Artifact Mutation, so if they end of turn violent batter skull, say they have one mana open, you Artifact Mutation. So it destroys the batter skull and you get five 1-1s. One <laughs> oh,
1: man. You're, you're the, the brewmaster.
0: I try my best. <laughs> but also, reasonably, I mean, like we said, Death and Taxes is a big problem for this deck, so you should be running two sulfur elementals in the board. Haste Creature, 3-2, wipes their board. I think it's important.
1: Yeah, it's also, it's uh, it's a really good against, I mean, really good is over acceleration, but it's good against Storm and any kind of combo, because you get to leave your mana open, and then, end of turn, you still get the three power beta, beta which is quite good against them, so that's another
0: application of... of Even against Jace, maybe. too. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Against Miracles, say you need an... The problem with Miracles is you're always, like, lay out a threat pass, and they just go, you know, swords or terminus or whatever, whereas having something that can attack a Jace with haste is really interesting, which is actually what I wanted Did we talk about Elves yesterday at all? Uh, Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, we talked a lot about it, I guess. Did we talk about Xenagos?
1: Oh, you mentioned it, but uh, only, like, on on Skype, we didn't talk about it.
0: Okay, so uh, a friend of mine was actually... Uh, talking about Xenagos the Reveler, not the uh, not the God of Revels, <laughs> but basically for Elves, an application against Miracles, because that matchup. I'll be honest, I was playing Miracles against Elves, and that must be miserable for you guys to play. It's Because I'm just like, oh, top counterbalance. Okay, you play a few guys. Oh, look, I found the terminus or the engineer Exposes, or Supreme Verdict. Okay, and you try to rebuild, and I sit there with Jace, and you know we do some stuff, and you attack me, and you get me down to like below ten, and then oh, I found the second terminus. <laughs> And you put oh. your hands up in the air. It's awful. It's, Sorry it's terrible. my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's awful. But I mean, Teague isn't an answer, really, at least for your deck. But Xenagos was was my friend Dan was trying. So in case you don't know, Xenagos plus one, it cradles for red or green, uh, in any combination, and uh, zero. Put a two-two green satyr token into with haste into play, uh, Seder, Satyr, Satter. I don't know. Um. And minus six is exile the top seven cards of your library. You may put any number of creature and or land cards from them onto the battlefield. So, I mean, if you're getting to that point against Miracles, you're winning anyway. But the whole point is you can either... It's an extra cradle, which is nice, or you just play... You just get two, two haste tokens. It's not a Bloodbraid Elf, but it's, you know, it's good enough. Wait a minute. Bloodbraid I'm... Elf is an elf? <laughs>
1: you can use it with fire,
0: but Simjord... Nah, I'm, I'm distracting you here. Okay. <laughs> I think that's too far as well. (laughs) But actually, I really had a hard time against it as the Miracles player, because, okay, fine, you can wipe their board, so they can either, you know, gas up again if they need to at some point, and hard cast Craterhoof Behemoth, which did happen, and I died. Yeah. Uh, Or, my opponent just kept pumping out tokens. Just a 2-2. Okay, so I was able to deal with it. I used a Snapcaster Mage to block. Fine. Okay, then another one came. Oh, can't deal with that. Another one came. Oh, God. The problem is the haste. And and Miracles can't deal with the haste is, is the main problem. Just being able to attack, 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 attack. You don't have enough assort supply of shares to deal with all those tokens. The Terminus is no good against something that makes creatures continuously. The only way to deal with Xenagos is actually to use Flash creatures to attack it. And reasonably, it's not super profitable to do so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, You I mean, people have talked about it like very, very little... I think some weeks ago when we were discussing um, the application of Planeswalkers against Miracles in the Elf threat on the source and I I kind of I think I was too focused on the Garok plan because Garok basically does the same it's also like a super cradle with a plus one like Garok Wildspeaker and also produces tokens but Garok produces tokens for a minus ability so you have to stop at some point and rebuild whereas Xenagos has tokens for zero and they have uh, uh, haste so, that's quite interesting, and right now I've got Bitter Blossom in that slot, but I can really see myself trying Senagos, and I really have to try it, like, against Miracles, because that should be super, super awesome tech.
0: I mean, that's, I mean, and that's, I think, the specific matchup you wanted reasonably. I don't think you actually want it against much else. I mean, unless there's some sort of, like, crazy bug land soul toxic deluge kind of deck that would, that may be sure, but... I mean, you wouldn't want this in a mid-range match, but it's a very specific kind of anti-Miracles card. Yeah. But I think that that's where you want your sideboard slots to be, is very powerful, specific answers. Yeah,
1: that's like the main the the philosophy behind my sideboard, to, to have a, as high of an impact as possible. And Xenagos is pretty high impact, at least against Miracles. Overall, I, I think I still like the Bitter Blossoms quite a bit, although they can be a, a prop against certain decks. But
0: yeah. But I the think tokens can also these sadder tokens can also be used to natural order if you need to. Oh,
1: <laughs> uh, okay. That is, <laughs> hey, it th- hey, that is
0: that is reasonable, and they don't die to Golgari Charm, right? Oh, that that's
1: like a big point.
0: You've got me there, I guess. So maybe something to consider, because Miracles, guys. In case you didn't know, Miracles is super weak to anything that's not a creature. <laughs> really, really weak, like artifacts and enchantments <laughs> and planeswalkers. We actually don't have any removal for that. Yeah,
1: Miracle Studio has like, I don't know, two engineered explosives that I can put on two, sometimes three, so <laughs> if you've got anything above that, and chances are against a lot of against a lot of decks, you won't even see engineered explosives after sideboarding. Well, that's pretty good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, z- like we're saying, Xenagos, Liliana, Sylvan Library... I mean, all of these cards, Null Rod, all of these cards are insanely good.
1: So, people, play more Planeswalkers. Please, 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 save your local elf guy, play more Planeswalkers.
0: <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, now, did we talk about a zoo list yet that I saw online that I thought was really interesting?
1: Like actual zoo? Zoo. Like, like fast like Naya zoo? zoo.
0: Naya Zoo. Like 2011, it's coming back. <laughs> what? So, I was playing on Cockatrice the other day. And there was an Italian gentleman, or lady, I actually don't know. Uh, I uh, They were playing a Zoolist. Now, long story short, I won, so hooray for me. <laughs> well but I really liked their list. Um, so the list was something along the lines of Four Noble Hierarch, Four Casali Pride Mage, okay. Four Tarmogoyf, uh Two Gaddictig, and the new uh, Aelidin of the Revel. R- which one? The what is it uh, of the Revel? You know the new guy from the newest set. He's the Pyrostatic Pillar. Oh, that guy. Okay, yeah. I, I can't I can never remember his name. I have anyway, no idea. <laughs> yeah, he was playing three of that guy, uh, and then just running uh, four Chain Lightning, four Lightning Bolt, uh, two Lightning Helix. You know, some amount of land and silver libraries. Of or path to exile? No, he was actually playing neither. Okay. In the main deck, he was just on the. Burn and get you plan. Oh, and Wild in the Cattle, obviously.
1: Yeah, I was just about but no Goblin Guides. No Goblin Guide. Okay, because it's quite interesting to have such an
0: aggressive card, but no Goblin Guides. Or maybe there were goblin guides. Anyway, okay. the point the point is like huge exalted package and four Kazali Pride Mage was yeah. my main you don't see that a lot, and no, like you said, Swords of Plowshares or Path to Exile. So I really like the list, just because, you know, turn one noble hierarch off of Savannah, you know, you're thinking, Oh, maybe that's I mean, that's... Yeah, that could be anything. But then, you know, suddenly there's a Tarmogoyf or there's a (laughs) Gaddic Tiger. And the clock was actually really quick. I mean, the the eight Exalted creatures really helped. I mean, being able to go, you know, turn one uh, guy, turn two... Oh, Exalted. Oh, your Cassali Prime is swinging for four now. Oh. I mean, it really speeds up the clock. And playing eight burn spell... Or, sorry, ten burn spells... You know you're going to get there, and as soon as you have a few creatures on the board, you can just drop the pyrostatic pillar guy and yeah, uh, it out.
1: it's quite a uh, quite good insurance against uh, even if if your opponent is able to remove your guys, you will get so low so that you that you might be even to able to burn them out.
0: And that's what happened to me is I got to four life and I said, oh okay, awesome, I have this source Plowshares. Oh wait, source <laughs> Plowshares puts me to one, and then he just swings back and oh, darn. So that's how I dropped a game. But I think Zoo does have a chance in the metagame right now. I mean, don't get me wrong. Miracles is never going to be a great matchup because Terminus away your entire board of weenies. But the clock is pretty quick. And I think it's maybe an avenue that a lot of people aren't exploring just because of the fact that it's very out of favor. But apparently, I th- he said it had, or or she definitely had some uh, had some traction. They were playing in, in Italy and uh, were doing pretty well with it.
1: Yeah, and overall, Sue always used to be a super popular deck, so I can see people picking that up.
0: I mean, look at look at all the creatures. I'm just looking at again the Esper Deathblade list. Okay, Deathrite Shaman, Bolt, uh, Snapcaster Bolt, Stoneforge Mystic, Bolt. <laughs> Anything yeah.
1: that comes off uh, Stoneforge Mystic, Quasali uh, Prime Mage.
0: Exactly. I mean, all of these, all of the creatures in this deck except Trinidim, says die to their ten pieces of removal, and you can still get Jace's with it. Oh, Jace, brainstorm, Bolt, <laughs> you know Liliana. You don't care about Liliana. You make deck You're...
1: sound really boring. <laughs> it, uh, it is
0: pretty boring, <laughs> but still, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I've played against Kisali Predmitch before. It's never fun. I mean, and I played against with this guy, and you know, oh, Violin equipment, blow it up. Mm. All that mana I invested, how nice. <laughs> it's I don't know. I think it's worth people at least exploring right now and talking about
1: usually all it takes is like one Star City Games top 8 maybe even just top 16 for more people to uh, pick it up and yeah
0: exactly and I think that's a lot of the problem is people are like oh the top 16 is only consisting of you know let's say Bug Natural Order was an 8th Bant like Bant Edric right? Barra Bant oh yeah it it plays ninth, right? Uh, Matthew Zabo was playing it and the deck is really good I think more people will actually pick it up now that it is not only are the streamers seeing it or people who are watching streams but you know it was on camera. People saw this. I think people will be picking this up a lot more, and that's awesome. Yeah, that's the beauty of Legacy. You can still, even though the format is so old, you can still come up with new stuff
1: and yeah, trust try to see how it fits into the meta game. Because overall, the power level of any card that you can play is u- is u- uh, kind of that high that you can just find new ways to combine these cards, to make new decks, and still have a very strong deck after all.
0: Mm-hmm. So actually, now looking at 10th place for this same tournament at Somerset... Uh, rugged over by Ralph Betesh, Batesh, whatever, uh, is running, like we were just talking about. Four Stifle, two Forked Bolt, Spell Snare, Spell Pierce. So the Forked Bolts are obviously a concession to death and taxes, being able to just two-for-one them. <clears throat> uh, spell Pierce, Spell Snare, also two. Spell Snare. I've seen it, I'm seeing a lot more play, and what do you think? What? It's, it, spell Snare is increasing in popularity. I think it's really good.
1: Ah, uh, Spiresnare is, is a super strong card. I mean, it's the de- kind of the definition of tempo. You s- you spend one mana to counter the two drop. Th- so you've been ahead probably before, now you're f- ahead even further and you made a good trade. So like seeing all these Stoneforge mistakes, and that's probably the card you want to hit the most. I can see it being really, really good. And uh, funny enough, I randomly looked up the last Canadian threshold list that I played in a tournament. Like I think it was almost one year ago. And I was playing three spell, pier- spell Snares so nobody was running Spell Snares. And I really felt the card is good. And it's, just, and it's even better if people don't expect it. Because people are like, yeah, you got Spell, sna- uh, spell Pierces. Have as many Spell Pierces as you want. You, you don't have Spell pierce- uh, spell snare anymore. So actually you have it and you blow them out in a way. So that's kind of one of the, the things you do in Legacy. You trace stuff that people don't expect. And as I mentioned before, because the blowout is so big you you get away with it and i i i really like this deck like this card in the deck, and i can see it rock very well
0: i mean counterbalance as well yeah for sure i mean counterbalance him to rock tarmogoyf i mean the the format is a very two drop format and it's just it's a lot of people haven't considered it because i think people are still once again still following oh everybody's running spellpierce instead i mean in miracles don't get me wrong spellpierce is great but i'm almost considering running a spell snare over spell pierce just because, well, what do you fear the most? In the mirror, you don't want your opponent to have counterbalance, especially early forge. if you're on the draw, or a stoneforge mystic. So it's worth trying out, guys. You could always do another episode on community building. We've got our first real legacy tournament coming up, but some guys are worried about how to wean people off proxies over time. We're at about 20 people now. It's an immediate concern. It's not an immediate concern, but we don't want to have 20 proxy tournaments indefinitely. Also, someone in my shoes has stuff to build Maverick, just about every iteration, but that's it. I don't have enough spare duels to matter. I don't have stuff that would be used outside of Maverick. That said, what's a cheap solo deck that I can build that I can lend out and fill my staples out a little better? Tall order, I know, but a discussion of such decks would be really helpful. So that's his, uh, That's the statement. So how about an episode? Well, that's a whole episode. We're not doing that. Yeah. Community building. So how do we? Wea- so I guess that's a good thing. How do you wean people off of proxies? Uh, the
1: usual way to do it is to get them to real tournaments. That's kind of what I did because I was studying in like one of the smaller cities of Germany, only like fifty thousand people in there, and people were like playing Legacy super casually, and so I took some of these people, like the most competitive ones, uh, or at least that kind of showed a spark of competitiveness and i took them to munich and we started playing in real legacy tournaments there and obviously you had to have real cards so i lent out some cards some people just borrowed some cards from somebody else and they kind of liked it so they started playing more and actually getting real cards and so that's the way we kind of tra- transitioned from this super super casual group into like a semi casual group that played some competitive legacy and that was okay so for me it's always the step to take them to a bigger tournament uh, maybe even a gp or scg if it's around and show them what can be done like for me the first time i went to a gp it was overwhelming it was so awesome to see all these these popular faces and the guys that you only saw on the internet and actually see them in front of you and play and if you did somehow somehow quite well you might even get to play them and and it was crazy. It was really crazy. And if you take people that are used to just playing casually to like, a real tournament, as I said, um, it's really going to help like, kind of the, the, the competitive spirits. And that's how you, get lo- lo- um, how you get rid of proxy tournaments at some I point. I agree.
0: I think you have to create excitement. I think that's the major thing. Because if you create incite- excitement, you create kind of an impetus for the person to want to get these cards. I think loaning out cards is helpful... Uh, if you want to take them to bigger tournaments. But eventually, you'll either get the group who will either put up and buy their own cards, or the group that'll just try to run out the borrows for as long as possible, <laughs> and not spend any money. And that does happen. I mean, it's also quite possible that a person in the community actually can't afford to get into Legacy, but still, enjoy- excuse me, still enjoys playing. And I think there are definitely people who 100% will never buy in, who will just be people who will borrow decks. And that can be fine, it's just it's not ideal for actual community growth, because they'll move on to another format once you stop lending them a deck, or they'll just move on to another person to leech off of. So I think the question is making sure people get excited. So like like you said, Julian, taking people to big tournaments and getting them fired up about Legacy and hosting regular tournaments that are sanctioned. I think I think in a way going down the road of proxy tournaments is good for testing. Like maybe, say, every two weeks you have a proxy tournament so somebody can bring a deck just to try. And usually that's what we do, is you know every couple of weeks we have one where I'm going to proxy up some crazy deck on a bunch of basic lands and I'll just run it just for fun, just to see if it's worth even throwing together. But I think with the advent of like Cockatrice, Workstation, and Magic Online, that's not really almost needed anymore. You can always test on your own free time when you have an hour and you can just dick around online with fake cards. You might as well, when you're going to a real tournament with real people, you might as well have that experience with real cards as well. So get people excited, get them to want to buy cards, and use cards as prizes in tournaments that they're in. Because with cash prizes, some people will just go, oh, I'll just spend this on rent, food, whatever. They have an underground sea, maybe they're more interested in building out the rest of that deck or collection.
1: Yeah, that for sure. If you if you give out, like, that's kind of the the legacy community in my place got really big because we had this awesome shop and you could always win. Each week you had duels, fetch lands, forces, later on chases, everything up for grabs. And that's the way a lot of people just slightly built their pool. They didn't build the entire pool that way, but it got them started and was something to look for, like to look forward. If you did well in this tournament, if you top 8 it, you won another card. and That card stayed in your binder or maybe even got got into your deck, and it didn't get lost like like money, as you mentioned, just spent on rent or whatever. So you
0: kind of build your your bond with the format. You get even deeper into it. And I think actually a better way to do it is what we're going to be starting now is also having prizes for people who don't top eight. And I don't mean you need to take 50% of your prize pool and move it to the bottom half of the standings. But providing an incentive for a person to stay in the tournament and play is good. So, for example, if you had a random draw for anyone that didn't top eight and they got a fetch land, it feels good to the random player who, you know, maybe this is their first tournament. Maybe they haven't done well in the past. That You know what? They, as long as they entered the tournament, they had the chance to win a Marsh Flats. And maybe that's enough for them. Maybe they can trade that towards something they need or not. But hopefully it's a little bit more helpful than just getting totally blown out and taking, say, 40 to $50 out of the top eight is, is nothing. I mean, generally in a tournament that's, say, over 30 people at you know $30 a piece, what's $40? It's not that much.
1: Yeah, it's like one and a half per- person, more or less, give or take.
0: Exactly. So taking that and just being able to pass it on to to a random person who maybe doesn't do very well because either they don't have the cards or don't know the format will, again, help to provide incentive to those people to keep going.
1: Yeah, I think that's quite a big point of community building at that point.
0: You've got to make sure all the people who are new to it don't get totally knocked out. I mean yesterday we had a gentleman uh, walk into the store had never played hadn't played magic in ten years built a deck out of the cards in the chaff box, which basically we use for making proxies Don't tell him he won no he t- he won one game okay against Charlottes Bog, which tells you how much of a crappy that <laughs> deck is and it was a one hundred and five card deck. <laughs> But Go you know ahead. what? He was so excited that he won a game. Oh, he, yeah. thought he, was gonna, he thought he was going to get totally blown out and just wouldn't win anything. He won yeah. one game, oh and man. he was happier than a pig in shit. I feel so happy for the guy. Oh, I feel so happy. <laughs> because you know what? We showed him, like, I felt bad because I had to play him round one, and I'm like, unfortunately, this person is going to get a very, very cruel awakening as to what Legacy is all about in the yeah. power level. Yeah. And it's true. I'll be honest, I played back a little bit, which you know I will some people will not will not agree with. There was no chance that this person could have beaten me. I had no problem. I had no problem teaching him, you know, oh, you know, you haven't played magic in a while. Okay, well land first, then, you know, do this, then you tap this. Okay, you know, this is a hybrid mana symbol on my card and just kind of walking him through the stuff and, you know, making sure he was comfortable. I think that was more important and getting him to see what the format was all about was more important than just dream-crushing him and moving on. And you know what? And he got to win that game against a friend of mine, and you know what? He was happy. And you know what? He'll probably be back.
1: Oh, that's so cool. I I really like that. Because that kind of reminds me of when I first got into competitive play. I went to the game store, like, every Wednesday. Every Wednesday we had Old Extended, like, real Old Extended, and I was Mm -hmm. playing this awful rock brew, and I couldn't win a single game. Like, maybe once a game but never a match. So I kept going and kept going and kept losing and kept losing and the only person I bet was the (laughs) bye and that wasn't really satisfying. So at this one point I actually got to beat somebody and to me I went like 1-5 and in that tournament but that one win was like a real win and I I mean I still remember to this day because it felt so awesome and I can can really relate to that guy and (sighs) it makes me happy.
0: It's just that feeling of like I'm not I'm learning, but I'm not... Because there's a pressure you put on yourself when you're entering, when you're playing, doing anything. And when you lose, you you know, you can kind of... You take your lumps, but you, there is a bit of feeling bad, right? There's always going to be like a, ah, what could I have done better? Ah, why am I losing? But, you know, hey, good for him. So the other question here was... Let's see, something about Maverick. So this guy can build Maverick. Don't have any spare duels. What's a cheap solid deck to build that I can lend out... ...and fill out my staples better. So what would be a good, cheap deck to lend out? With maverick type staples.
1: I mean, you, there's always Murph <laughs> I guess.
0: With Maverick yeah, staples? Yeah, it, it, it
1: doesn't really cross over to, to uh, Maverick, but <coughs> I think he wants to lend out the deck, so it should be different cards, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, let's see. Oh, okay, so he wants to build another deck, not Maverick, too. Okay. Um, a good deck to lend out. Goblins... Is good, it's cheap-ish. Uh, Dredge is actually quite cheap to build. Yeah, but that doesn't really build uh, your staples outside of Lion's Diamond, I guess. True. Well, I mean, it depends on how much money you have, too. Yeah, of course. But it, I think cheap, but there's no, that's the problem. Unfortunately, in Legacy, what is cheap? Yeah, like, what is, cheap what is are is talking of,
1: about less than 1,000 euros.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, nowadays, I would say death and taxes a couple of years ago, but that's not really the case anymore.
1: Yeah, Shade and Port gets so high.
0: I mean, you could play a budget version of some of these
1: decks? You could play, like, budget elves. Like, all-in elves, kind of, with summon effect, And, uh, yeah, maybe even El- Elf Spirit Guide. Somebody played that against me. I mean, it's quite all-in, and you don't really get to grind the late game. But the kind of upset is, money-wise, is that you don't run Deathrite shamans because you don't run Black, so you don't um, have fetchies, uh, Fetchlands. And... Yeah, so if you want to build that deck, um, feel free to contact me like on MTG The Source, so we can talk about that. Or on Twitter, it's Julian 23 so I, I can see a deck like that working. Uh, it still doesn't really build your staples, that's the problem. Because if you're talking about building staples, we're talking about using money, so you don't really get around that. But if you sl- want to slowly build your staples, I really can see like the Murfolk maybe being a deck, because you still don't need duels. And at least you get forces. So, I hope that most of the Murfolk guys aren't too expensive. Two Name Nemesis should be, but that's also a card that's played in other decks. So, if Murfolk isn't too expensive for you, and you want to play that deck, I can see see, uh, this being one of the decks you might want to look at.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, any sort of tribal seems to be the cheaper version. I think the next kind of tier of decks is probably some sort of, like, mid-range deck, but hopefully not a three-color mid-range deck, because then you're just going to get into a lot of duels and... Can have some problems. Or you just brew something to loan out. Yeah. (laughs) So some sort of two-color deck, so that means you only need to loan out four duels, and run, you know, Tarmogoyfs, and eh, stick something together, and I'm sure it'll be fine. Again, depends on how good of a friend this person you're loaning out this deck to is. (laughs) If you just want to play against them and beat them, then just hand them a pile of garbage. But Dredge is also quite cheap, I'll be honest. Um, Without the LEDs, the deck is almost worthless. So no, um, but it's not too expensive. I think the rears
1: costs at, l- this at least some amount of money, like Icarid Bridge from below. It's
0: probably, I would say, a sub two, well, three hundred dollar deck without the LEDs.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess. Maybe I mean maybe even less. Not super expensive. Yeah, I'm going through uh, the list on on Decks dot net of all the legacy decks that are listed there. Maybe Nickfish. And how Fit. much they are. No, not how much they are, but what actually exists in legacy, and, and imagining how m- how expensive they are. I mean, Nickfit, you could play Nickfit. I mean, usually you only play like you can play Nickfit with less duels than th- the standard. Okay, this is a t- different list that uses like Badlands and Bio. Okay, it's oh, it's the red Nickfit. If you play straight up black green Nickfit, no splashes, I can see that working. Uh, we haven't seen the deck as of lately, but I think. For a deck to slowly build your pool and, and climb up the the money ladder of legacy, that's a different deck you could play.
0: You could play Black White, Dead Guy Ale.
1: Oh yeah. Then you get Not like super
0: expensive. Dark Confidence, to
1: to start Stone your pool. yeah, yeah.
0: Scrublands, Vindicate, Batterskull, all the equipment. Yeah, you you actually I might I might even suggest this first. Because the deck is actually quite good, especially against the Delver decks. So you actually have a better chance of winning prizes with your lovely two-color concoction. So thanks for listening uh, again to Everyday Eternal. Hopefully you enjoyed what we were talking about. My name is Matt Pavlik and I was joined by Julian.
1: So guys, thanks for tuning in listening to us. Uh, I'm really honored to be now an official member of the cast and I hope we see you guys next time. And in the meantime, feel free to suggest new topics on the MTG The Source thread about our podcast and we will likely pick it up then. So goodbye.
0: Feedback is always appreciated. Email us at everydayeternalcast at gmail.com, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everydayeternalpodcast, or follow us on Twitter at eternal